0: you know what I thought you were mysterious like my mother until it turned out the mysterious just meant depressed alright hard to reach I mean I'm dying here
1: I don't like going out you know that I get anxiety when I have to meet people you know how hard that is
0: everything you touch turns to shit like King Midas's idiot brother Jesus but if you two aren't the biggest pair of fuck ups I've ever met in my entire life
1: don't tell mama (laughs) hello everyone welcome to give us a second uh minisode series brought to you by the greatest moments in the history of forever i'm zach i'm matt and this is our 20th edition sharp objects season one
0: episode eight milk 20th edition point three should we say This is our third time trying this. (laughs) Just a lot of issues. A lot (laughs) of issues. But we're going to have just as much excitement as the first one. To be honest, the first
1: one we did immediately following the airing of this episode when we were like in a fever pitch of emotion.
0: Which was a cool idea when you pitched it. I was like, oh yeah, we should do that. The rapid reaction.
1: But ultimately I felt like my appreciation for the show grew so much that I felt we needed to give it more time to give like a proper
0: well that's the thing like going into that last episode already this would been my favorite show to watch in quite a while definitely like my favorite show to watch on like a week to week basis as opposed to like something streaming on Netflix that you knock out in like one sitting and then once you get that ending everything ratchets up even further and you're like holy shit With a little bit more thought, I was like, I think we should
1: redo it, put a little bit more time into it, think about some things. So,
0: okay, we go for round two. (laughs) No, back to our old demise, (laughs) the thing that always brought us down, some sort of computer issue. Yeah, I mean, this one
1: wasn't a sound issue. It was just that your mic wasn't recording.
0: Right, which some people would be like, well, that's fine. (laughs) Some people, including me. Yeah, what's... This is the podcast this was
1: always meant to be. Right,
0: or, like, what's even the difference?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But here we are now. Hopefully everything's recording correctly. Hopefully we can do this justice, because this is definitely the last time that we're going to do this. So this is it.
0: I feel like now that you've taken on much more of the production and editing role, I need to, like, step it up a little bit Because I always felt like, well, I'm just here to press the buttons. I mean, it's Zach's show. But now I'm pressing the
1: buttons. Right.
0: I mean, and it's still your show, but I feel like I need to chime in more.
1: Well, I don't know. We can talk about that off mic. (laughs) that's an off mic discussion. (laughs) Honestly, this will probably end up being a little bit longer than... uh, Give us a second, but... And maybe some old episodes come to find out. Well, yeah. But ultimately, we wanted to put this with the Gone Girl episode, have ourselves a little Gillian Flynn week. I mean, she's only published three novels, two of them we're talking about in this week yeah. with Gone Girl and Sharp Objects. Fun little theme for us for a change.
0: The name Gillian, by the way, I mean, I mean, whenever the actress Gillian Jacobs first came on the scene, I just thought that that name, even with the G, was pronounced Jillian. Sometimes it is. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> I feel better. Then. You
1: really enjoy her... Diet Coke commercials oh. that play before <laughs> movies.
0: You want to live in a yurt? Yurt it up.
1: <laughs> For some reason, that commercial really rubs you the wrong way. Yeah, well. I don't know why. <laughs> I
0: don't know. We have to see it every time we're at the movies.
1: I just was reading a little bit, and I found out that Gillian Flynn has like an overall production deal with Amazon now. and right. She's going to be the showrunner of a new show called I've actually, Utopia or something like
0: that. I've been trying to give... Various original Amazon programming a shot recently So, so
1: are we as a show Because right. we just did a Red Oaks episode yes. That everyone was super happy with
0: Absolutely <laughs> Hey, the download numbers are, are pretty strong
1: <laughs> But anyway, similarly to I think it was last spring slash summer's Big Little Lies Yes This one was Jean-Marc Valet as well Who did that and now he's doing Did he
0: direct every episode of that like this? I think so, okay, yeah. yeah I'm pretty sure this seemed like I don't know. I mean, I will say the the production of that show was pretty cool and pretty well done, but this seemed to take it to like a whole nother level with all the weird editing going on. Truthfully,
1: since this last episode aired, I read the novel Sharp Objects, and it's definitely a first novel for a novelist, meaning it's very short and brief because you know they're not gonna let you write War and Peace for your first one. You gotta get your foot in the door with something <laughs> right easy. And so I think the show kind of expands the novel in a lot of ways that are interesting and kind of add a ghostly element to it and really kind of crank it up in a lot of ways that the book kind of just breezes by very quickly, but the show kind of allows you to explore a little bit more. Because it took me only like four hours or so to read the book, whereas the show is basically eight hours. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, there's more to it, really. Well... There's certainly, there's a lot going on in this little town of Wind Gap. Okay, so before we jump into it, as always, follow the show on Twitter at greatest Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes. I would say that this will probably be our last give us a second for a while. <laughs> at oh, least wow. until after. Well, I mean... I think this year for Greatest October, we're not going to have a Give Us a Second in there. Nowhere
0: in the mix, even.
1: So this will probably have to come later on down the line. I mean, you know, it's hard to think of topics for Give Us a Second. That's true. All the time. Yeah. So we're probably a little bit of a hiatus for Give Us a Second, at least for the next like
0: two months or so. Maybe we could do something on the new Halloween movie. (sighs) I mean, come on. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> We've already dedicated that's To true. give us a second's Where we're talking about it uh, That's true <laughs> I know you're going to want to talk about A star is born like nonstop. That, that should be like that. the
0: next thing That we try to do is like An immediate reaction to Well okay maybe that could be it. Give us a second <laughs> like, I don't know <laughs> Have the laptop like in your car <laughs> <laughs> Recording it like right after We get out of the theater
1: We're just recording it in the theater Yeah <laughs>
0: While the credits are rolling.
1: (laughs) Uh, Alright, so... Every song, so listenable. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about Sharp Objects. The murders of Ann Nash and Natalie Keene bring Camille Preaker, played by Amy Adams, from St. Louis back to her hometown of Wind Gap, a small
0: sweaty hamlet
1: tucked into Very a rural sweaty. corner of missouri if
0: there's one thing to remember about the setting of this show it's just sweat a lot of humidity oh yeah
1: it's a place it's a town her mother adora played by patricia clarkson who's a cold woman wealthy on old money that she still haunts this place she's still kind of de facto runs she's it a in a, a bit way shrill yeah she's scary yeah, she's kind of she inspires a certain amount of fear, respect, and awe, maybe even love from yeah. the town in a way. Yeah, they're a, afraid of her, but they love her.
0: There's definitely like a sexual tension with every male that she is having like a one-on-one conversation with, I feel.
1: Certainly, her relationships with men are kind of one of the complicated. oh yeah, underlying issues of the show. But Camille's return ends up feeling like picking up a big rotting log laying in the forest to reveal all of the dirty squirming things underneath, because not only did she get involved in what might be a possible serial killer's murder spree, but her own sister back when she was a kid also died. Well, Camille's got
0: some issues. I mean, we find out pretty early on that she's got some demons, and they're continued... I mean, so I guess maybe some of the reasons as to why she has those demons are continually revealed throughout the show in a flashback way. She is an alcoholic. She's a cutter. And she's... Maybe some sexual issues as well.
1: Yeah, she acted out sexually probably mostly when she was younger. But now because of the extensive cutting that she's done to her body, carving all these words all over her, now she's kind of afraid to be intimate with anybody yeah well because you don't want to scare people <laughs> there's a lot away. of explaining yeah, right
0: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah i mean i guess it should be pointed out if you're not getting it this is a dark show it's not for the faint of heart there certainly
1: were some times where i had to almost turn away it was kind of gross and oh yeah something that was happening it was very quick most of the time not too hard to look at but there were certainly a few scenes that were kind of gross yeah
0: and as we know nothing more frightening than teenage girls on roller skates (laughs) (laughs) right because camille's got
1: a younger half-sister played by relative newcomer eliza scanlan who i just found out was australian in my mind was blown yeah but she's in real life i think 19 now but she's playing like a preteen ish. I guess
0: it's never really that clear on the show, right?
1: Yeah, the show kind of muddies the waters a bit. In the book, she's supposed to be like,
0: 12 I just or took 13. it as high school. Just watching the show, I was just like, these girls are in high school.
1: I think Adora, their mother, does say that she's going back to school. So she's definitely right. in school and she's supposed to be younger than I think Ashley is her name. On yeah. The, I show, think so. the cheerleader. Yeah. So She might be like at least a junior, senior, and Emma's supposed to be like a year or two or three younger, but they kind of left that all as a gray area kind of thing, which is for the best, because you go down a dark road with the character of Emma, and they actually had a child playing her. It would be kind of weird.
0: Yeah. And if Adora's like the queen of Wind Gap, I mean, Emma's definitely the princess. I mean, (laughs) people are... I mean, she's calling a lot of shots, it feels like. She's standing tall to all the, these like adults all the time.
1: Yeah, her and her little group of friends, they roller skate around and they're kind of feared by most people, even though they're so young. You kind of have that feeling of like the mean girls sense. Oh, yeah. Know? Nothing too crazy, at least you think. Although but,
0: at times they're like sexually suggest saying like sexually suggestive things to like the adult men, and you're just like, Jesus, these the chicks are scary. Yeah. <laughs> But the show kind of
1: blends these potent words, some of which are carved onto Camille's body and, uh, you know, some which are the names of the episodes and haunting visuals and a shifting, moving perspective of time that kind of slips between ghosts from Camille's past and the horrors of wind gaps present, which kind of just creates this cocktail of unsteadiness for the viewer right. you're never really sure what is real and what is especially at the end of episodes where things are amping up you're like okay what is happening and is what Camille's seeing real or not
0: well yeah because that's the thing much like we talked about in the gone girl episode where the perspectives of the movie can't be trusted at times we we find out similarly here it's like you can't really believe everything from camille's perspective because she's got all these issues that maybe go beyond like alcoholism even
1: yeah, I mean, she's severely mentally damaged. And by the end of episode 7, we have kind of figured out why. It's because her mother, Adora, suffers from Munchausen by proxy. She makes her children sick and uses their illnesses and stuff for attention to appear as if she's a good mother, to you know, soak up all of the adoration and to nurse the children back to health. Now... It didn't really work with Camille because Camille no. was headstrong and refused to kind of bend to Adora's will. But her little sister Marion, back in the day, yeah, was kind of.
0: And you kind of feel under like that spell. Uh, Camille is possibly was maybe aware of it when she was a kid, and is maybe blocking it out now. It
1: seems like it's a truth that Camille may have always known deep down, but had never really processed in the right way to make sense of it because it's right. a horror so terrible that. Your brain (laughs) can't make sense of it. Yeah, Yeah, it's you're not putting the pieces together. You're not seeing it like an outsider would see it. Yeah, because you're too close. You 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 know you're not really believing that this person in your life who's supposed to take care of you and love you would be doing this. Would be essentially trying to poison you. Right. And it seems like Adora has not only killed Marion from twenty years before, but. Has potentially also killed Anne and Natalie in current day, and is in the process of killing doing, Emma. Yeah, yeah, doing the same
0: routine with Emma, and we went into episode eight thinking that Adora is the killer that we've been trying to figure out who it is for this whole seven episode stretch.
1: Right, and the police for the most part don't really seem to be on the right track at all. They've arrested Natalie's brother. And I mean,
0: the list of suspects has to be like so limited, and these cops have just not been doing a great job. Well, I think the
1: idea is in small towns like that. Sometimes the police, who've never really had to do anything, they don't want to believe that it's someone in town. Yeah. So they immediately start thinking of a vagrant coming through, the, yeah. <laughs> riding but the I rails, mean, or a trucker, in, they, or whatever.
0: They brought in like the outside detective or whatever, Richard. And I do, I know we've talked about this, you know, while we were watching it, and it, it just feels like Richard is not really a great detective either.
1: <laughs> he's really to be fair, he is starting to piece it together by the end of s- yeah, episode seven. for sure. And he doesn't seem to really believe that it's Natalie's brother. Yeah. But the local chief, Chief Vickery, played by Matt Craven, he's he seems like he's too close to the situation yeah, to really he's good be... good in this,
0: by the way. I, I think that actor does a good job with this role.
1: Yeah, definitely. Everybody is great in yeah. it, except maybe christmas cena as uh, detective Adora's Rose. got
0: the chief wrapped around her finger so i mean yes you know he's coming over for his usual whatever that means a and drink and maybe more
1: and there's certainly the kind of gender dynamics that gillian flynn likes to bring up in her work where nobody even considers that this could possibly be a oh, woman right. doing yeah. this yeah so looking at somebody like adora just doesn't make any sense they don't understand mental illness even enough though, in this it, town to be considering those kind of options.
0: Even though there is there is just like a general weird vibe around her, particularly w- with her current husband, Alan, who, I mean, from the show, I, at times it feels like he's a red herring because it's just like, he seems like a serial killer. <laughs> there's that like sterile feeling whenever he's just like laying there listening to records. <laughs> yeah,
1: His listening to records is very like Patrick Bateman. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's and he's kind of like a, Whitney Houston. he's a
1: strange dude, but and
0: his whole relationship with Adora is just, I mean, what the hell?
1: Now we know that Alan is the father of both Marion, who's passed away and Emma, but it doesn't seem like they have sex ever. Right. Or even they stay in this. <laughs> it's
0: like that one where he's like, do you want me to, s- I think I should stay with you tonight. She's like, no, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's that scene where he wakes up on a sofa bed. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I, is that even in the house? I, it doesn't
0: look like it. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's really very
1: strange. And they never really explain it, which is kind of fun. Well, that, yeah, that's in the fun thing about of the, the show,
0: show in general. It's just like they just kind of throw a lot of little things at you that you're just like, what the hell is going on here? And it's never really explained with a lot of them, but it's just it adds to that overall kind of mysterious vibe of the show.
1: Going into episode eight, the conclusion of this eight part mini series, I kind of felt like there was gonna be more to come. I did not think that the adora thing was the full answer
0: it seemed like it it seemed like there was definitely another reveal to come, but i I was thinking that it was like something along the lines of like. It's Adora plus something else. The scream theory, where there's always two. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking like the accomplice, right? I mean, that's the thing. I was feeling like has Alan been involved in this? I couldn't separate myself from how weird his whole deal is. Although he was, there's an episode where he's very emotionally distraught about the fact that, like, you know, he lost a daughter too. So it's like you he definitely, yeah,
1: m- he definitely seems as if. In the presence of Adora, he's not
0: really ever able to show emotion. He has to do that privately. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, I don't know. But yeah, going into that last episode, it felt like there was still something more to the story than what we had.
1: The thing that I'm not quite sure how I feel about is in one of the earlier episodes... Okay, so we should preface this by saying the two girls, Anne and Natalie, they're both found with their teeth pulled, which is kind of like... Very serial killer esque. It's you know, it's a calling card. It's taking a trophy. They don't know where the teeth are. You know, it's fucked up. Yeah, and it's weird. And the girls weren't sexually assaulted in any way, but this was kind of like the equivalent to that because in those kind of situations, often it's about power, not about sex. So the pulling of the teeth is some sort of invasive thing that's kind of weird. It equates to sex in some way, maybe. But Detective Willis takes a pig head, an yeah. actual head of a pig, into a sink and tries to pull the teeth from He's it.
0: He's like, this is impossible. Hard to figure out like how much this equals to a human preteen girl's right. jaw.
1: So as viewers, we kind of take his word for it that this right. is a one-for-one. One. It's brought up at least a couple of times how hard it was.
0: I was definitely falling for it. That Even going into the end, I'm like... It had to, someone like more physical has to be involved here.
1: So in his mind, it definitely is not gonna be a woman because it takes too much strength to do this. And that's kinda just left there for you. Right. The whole time. So whenever eventually in this episode eight when they do arrest Adora and they find these pliers and everything, you're thinking, Well, Alan must have the helped. The pliers
0: her. just in the kitchen drawer. Right. Not very well hidden. But, like, Alan
1: must have helped her. Somebody must have helped her. Whatever. This doesn't quite make sense. But in the book, they never really make this p- a point. In fact, the two girls that are murdered in the book are so much younger that they have baby teeth. And oh, wow. they even make it a point to say the opposite oh, in that the they book, would come out which is that super they, easy. the baby yeah. teeth would come out easy. I don't know why they threw this in there. I guess to try to, like, now, trick Gillian people. Now, Flynn but, was involved with
0: the show, though, right? Yeah, but I don't think she wrote the yeah. episodes or anything. Okay. Because it does seem like, yeah, that kind of pushes, you know, her narrative of that these are female villains and they are capable of whatever a male villain is capable of. You made it hard. Hard on yourself, hard on Adora. Now you it was easier.
1: And you just lie back and take it. And you knew?
0: And you just let it happen? Well, what was I gonna do? Who was I gonna tell? Who the fuck's gonna believe me? No wonder you're sick. I did what I could. You're sick. Why don't you walk out of here? Yeah. You come back here.
1: we come into this last episode and Emma's kind of under Adora's care at this point. She's kind of
0: Emma is reaching all new peaks of just being like a scary chick with her whole stories about Persephone and wearing this white gown and like flower fucking crown. <laughs> Yeah, she's kind of contained to the
1: house, very like sweaty and out of it, and seemingly like fucked up.
0: Oh, yeah, she's always like kind of like dazed. Drugs or poison. Bizarre comments to Camille. She says
1: she's Persephone, queen of the underworld, married to Hades, but in charge of punishment. Even when she's back with the living, they're afraid of her because of where she's been. So she's
0: like saying this this weird shit. Right. This is kind of like in movies that have to do with like possession. And you you realize that like a character is possessed by a demon. This is like that when they <laughs> reveal who they actually are, like the demon.
1: <laughs> but to be fair, she has said weird stuff throughout the yes, course of sure. the show, yeah. and we know that she's experimented with drugs and absolutely probably sex at a very young age. And it's she's just wild, <laughs> but she doesn't seem dumb. She seems very like well read. So her just spouting this stuff out, you're oh, just yeah. like w-
0: okay. <laughs> yeah pretty much
1: guess which Greek goddess I am Camille guess I'm not really up on my goddesses <laughs> I'm Persephone Queen of the underworld she's married to that big dude Hades you run tell but she's in charge of punishment.
0: But I feel sorry for Persephone because even when she's back with the
1: living, they're afraid of her because of where she's been. Kind of funny, huh? How many stories they have where princesses need to get rescued from witches. Windgap has one even. Little girls yanked from the woods by the woman in white. I don't like that one. Too close to him. This really kind of turns into Camille's tragedy because she's so hung up on her sister Marion that died. And now this stunning, horrible realization about Adora. And she's realized that as a child, she was not able to save Marion. We see a lot of flashbacks to Camille as a child played by Sophia Lillis, who played... Bev in the new version of it, yeah, and Marion, who's played by Lulu Wilson, who, who was from Ouija: Origin of Evil, just a
0: a movie that we're not ashamed scary. to admit we saw in theaters. Yeah, it was good. Yeah,
1: and this Lulu Wilson, I think she's been in more than just this and Ouija. I think she's been in other horror stuff because she's, she's got, got like, like a, a horror look. look her, yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying she's not that she's like an ugly kid no, or no, anything, yeah. but like she <laughs> just <ugly> has... <laughs> No, I mean, she's just, she's just got like a unique kind of look that for sure. works for yeah. this. But Camille has this burden, this heavy heart of not being able to save Marion. So now she wants to save this half-sister that she barely knew, Emma. And she kind of takes Emma's place. And they place. don't
0: really get, throughout this series, it doesn't feel like Camille and uh, Emma are get all that close over the course of time that the series takes place. It feels like they have kind of a weird strange relationship for just meeting.
1: Although there is the one episode the one, right. where they almost have sex. But they're
0: li- <laughs> yeah. But it seems like they're clearly, you know, on like Molly or whatever. I
1: mean, what did you think was happening at the end? That, ep- that end of that episode was, was insane, crazy. Yeah.
0: Where you're like, are they going to fuck
1: or I- something? <laughs> yeah.
0: And then it ends up being like That would have been a truly really kind of a twist, scary yeah. ending to that. And Adora door like opens the door and like God. sees it all going down. The show was really good. Yeah.
1: If you haven't watched
0: this show, I mean, I'm sure our descriptions of it, you're like, "What is? What are they talking well, about?" <laughs> one of the things that I loved about this show is like Camille, the main character, was just like she's this character with like this edge, and like obviously like she drinks heavily, and she's like a cutter, and she's like a writer, and but like God, just how humiliating the things that happened to her in it though. There's just some scenes with her that you're just like, "Oh man, that is rough." <laughs> Whenever she's, like, her mom's making her trying on dresses for that right. bizarre, like, holiday event that they have in town that's all based on, like, some woman being raped, <laughs> and they have, like, a play about it every year, and Emma's playing the lead. Some
1: Confederate woman being gang-raped by Union soldiers right. or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, and this is, like, a big <laughs> celebration in town. Well, like, when they're trying on dresses for that, and it's, like, Adora just, like, knows that she has those, like, cuts and marks on her and she's like making her like yeah (laughs) show her oh
1: yeah it's it's rough but But the worst
0: one is when she bangs that John Keane dude and like (laughs) Richard the detective who she's been kind of dating comes in (laughs) it's just like oh man yeah and when he he just completely dresses her down too. when he's like I've been obsessed with the mystery trying to figure you out but you're really just like a drunk slut or whatever (laughs) I was like, yeah, Richard. Who is he, me? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Okay, so Camille's tragedy then becomes, can she save this sister after losing the other one? And ultimately, we will find out that, no, it's too late. Right. She can't save Emma. (laughs) Because in this moment, in the last part of episode eight, Camille fakes being ill so that Adora will divert her attention to her because she's like Adora's white whale oh, as yeah, far right. as Cause c- providing motherly attention to her. All Adora's
0: to. ever wanted. Yeah, Camille's has become like the Holy Grail of Munchausen by proxy.
1: <laughs> well, there was an, an episode earlier in the season where Adora just flat out tells Camille, I never loved you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and she kind of just blurts it out when you're not even expecting oh, that's I know. where it's going. Yeah. And the truth is she never loved her because she never got to do all this the things shit. that she yeah. wants to do. And now... Camille is kind of finally placating her mother by allowing her to give her. As these a,
0: like an attempt at a diversion to get her away from Emma. Right. Hoping that
1: someone will come because I think, you know, she tries to get Emma to leave the house. Emma won't do it. <laughs> it gets very crazy. Eventually, Camille's boss from St. Louis finally shows up to try to pull her out of this town because he sent her there, not really realizing how fucked up of a journey oh, this was yeah. all going to be right. for her. And eventually the police come and they arrest Adora and they find those pliers that we talked about and everything seems like it's going to be okay. We've caught Adora who killed Marion and now has killed Ann Nash and Natalie Keene and everything is going to be fine. And I don't know. I just was like, there's 10, 15 minutes left and I felt like there's something else coming. I don't know what it is, but specifically I had some ideas of where I thought.
0: It might go, but not how they would get there. I, well, they, it definitely feels like uneasy at the end, like the way things are happening. And the, it kind of feels like the pace is quickening, but in, oh, like, yeah, a slow way. Right. It kind of like at the end of The Dark Knight Rises, where they're just showing you all these little things and it like leads <laughs> to like that last little like reveal. Like it kind of felt like that to me. Yeah. It's like, yeah. just like quick kind of shots of things happening. So like, what despite is this building towards
1: the fact that Alan is still around. <laughs> right. <laughs> Emma is gonna go live with Camille in St. Louis, and we kind of get this whirlwind of passing time in St. Louis. Everything seems to be getting better, at least on the surface. Very quickly, we see that Camille has completed this piece that she was gonna write, and it's her like a you know her masterpiece because her mother is involved out of nowhere, and this is turned into this personal story. She's probably gonna get a lot of attention nationwide for Certainly, this story. Yeah. And it seems like she stopped drinking.
0: Her apartment, her living situation, uh, a little bit brighter than before.
1: It seems like maybe finally Marion can stay in the the past. Yes. Finally rest in peace. And she's going to build this relationship with the sister that she barely knew. But for those of us who had been paying attention to the mood of the show throughout, we may not have known exactly what was to come in the final minutes, but we recognized that overwhelming sense of dread growing and growing absolutely and it was a feeling and it's that
0: still weird they're still throwing like little weird things at you it might seem like innocuous but you're like there's something more to this all in a matter of minutes really
1: emma makes a friend in st louis named may they are spending a lot of time together may emma camille are gonna have dinner with Camille's boss and his wife and May says something about wanting to get into journalism and Emma kind of bristles at that a little bit Camille kind of has like one of a few out of body experiences where she sees that May has written call mom on the side of her hand yeah well this is
0: one of those things where it, it's seems like a detail that it's like how could this be like a threatening thing but it feel but the way that it plays, it gives feels her pause. Yeah, it's like right. a clue, like yeah.
1: it plays into this idea that words have this power, which has kind of been this thing going on throughout the season, and it just kind of makes her think. But unfortunately, a lot of Camille's issues have stemmed from the fact that she a doesn't know how to process these clues. Which, to be fair, this how would she know exactly what this means? And, well, yeah. And B also, and we're going to talk about this other one in a second, where she just flat out ignores it. Right.
0: And that's like a recurring theme throughout the show is something happening, her kind of pausing for a second, then just being like, all right, shakes her head and like moves on.
1: I think that article I sent you the day after this aired, it made the point that this call mom thing was like, call Adora, find out the truth about what really happened. Oh, that's
0: like what's resonating with her with it. Yeah,
1: call your mom, meaning Camille call your mom, find out the truth cuz they do show that scene where Emma goes to visit Adora but Camille doesn't go inside, which seems like just a horrible idea. Right. It seems like maybe there's something missing from this story as I said, you know, we are just watching this at home and we're like, yeah, well, I don't know, something else is going to happen. You're running out of possibilities at this point. <laughs> you're he- you're on. You're headed down a tunnel. You're like, I think I know where this is headed, but it's I like, want to know. Is Alan
0: going to show up here <laughs> and murder everyone?
1: So then later that night, Camille is tucking Emma into bed. Because that's the other weird thing of having somebody Camille actually nineteen the... playing this part, where right. <laughs> it seems like she's acting like a little kid sometimes. It's well, that's the whole strange. Emma character,
0: though. Like, yeah, she likes being treated like a she little kid, but also wants to be between an two adult. worlds. Yeah. yeah.
1: Emma says something like would you rather me go into journalism would it make you happy if i went if i wanted to go into journalism and Camille is just like i just want you to be happy or something right. like that and then <laughs> Emma's like i could eat you up but yeah. she says it in a, <laughs> a very ne- strange way and it oh, definitely yeah. registers for a second on Camille's face that like she said it in a weird threatening right. way right
0: and Camille's just like okay but chooses to <laughs> <Yeah>. ignore it <laughs> right, because exactly. you know
1: she can't really process this then May's mom knocks on the door and says, hey, have you seen May? I haven't seen her. And this is when we find out that May and Emma had like their first fight.
0: Yeah. Which and, is straight up just said by May's mom.
1: Right. And this is kind of an interesting little tidbit, but I feel like this is definitely Gillian Flynn's like, touch on this whole thing because they're like using very coded language. They're kind of... Be, they're both. Camille and oh, yeah. Mae's mother are kind of being very dismissive as to what the fight might must be about. It can't be anything. It's about nail polish. It must polish. be a boy or something. Or, yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's very inconsequential.
0: Something catty.
1: And we should point out that the centerpiece of this show really has been Emma's dollhouse, which is something that... She was working on back in Wind Gap. It's a replica of yeah, Adora's mansion. Kind of basically. a bizarre
0: idea for a kid to have, anyway, like a miniature replica of the house that you live in. It just seems weird. Maybe to me. it's
1: something like rich people have huge houses do. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> Especially in the <laughs> yeah, South. I guess we I wouldn't don't know. know about that, yeah. <laughs> it seems very Southern. Oh, for to sure, me. yeah. It's like this
0: old estate, basically.
1: And so, May had like. Been working on it with Emma, and one of the things with Emma is like her perfectionism. Everything has to be exactly how it is, or w- in reality, or whatever in the dollhouse. And May had made a bedspread, and right after May's mother leaves, Camille, I guess, is throwing something away and oh, right, just yeah. sees the bedspread in the trash. And again,
0: I think you and I talked about this. I, I didn't piece this all together upon first. It's viewing. very that's yeah, the thing.
1: Right. When, you know, when I say that this is all like a whirl when it's so fast, and you have to pay attention to all these I, details. And I remember
0: May holding it up. But I had no idea what it was. I didn't know what it was for. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So then I guess Camille thinks this is a mistake that it's in the trash. So I'm going to put this back in the (laughs) dollhouse, and she picks a bed up out of the dollhouse, and she's putting it on, and now that she's picked up a bed, she finds a single tooth, which was under the bed. Right. Which causes in your her likelihood. to be like, okay. oh, God. This is not good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> And it's you know, it's slowly dawning on the people watching it, hopefully. Although I did see some articles kind of having to explain this, I guess, because I felt like people maybe weren't understanding okay. the whole ending, although it seemed crystal clear to me. Right. But, well, you're you, though. I mean, didn't it seem crystal think? clear to you? <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> I don't think it took very much to figure this out. No, no.
0: Because, I mean, they focus in on it so much throughout the series. Emma is the only one fucking with this dollhouse. Yeah, I mean, they're not
1: going to save a big reveal at the end for it to be explained away. as like, oh, well, Adora put this here. It's like, <laughs> right, well, we yeah. know that if we're finding this tooth in the last five seconds of the show, <laughs> yeah. that it must be something big.
0: Right, it didn't fall out while they were moving it. Camille looks
1: into the dollhouse. She sees the bedroom floor in the room that is Adora's room, if this dollhouse was the actual house in Windgap. In the real house in Wind Gap, they make a big deal out of Adora's floor in her bedroom. It's made out of ivory, which, of course, would be illegal today. Right. It's this special floor that people have photographed from magazines and have come from all over to see. It's this big deal. Oh, yeah. And Emma has recreated the floor in Adora's bedroom in the dollhouse as the teeth pulled from Anne and Natalie. Her friends. Her former friends at different points. and, And May, I guess. And it's just an unbelievable moment because then as she's seeing this and holding the tooth, Emma walks in and just says, don't tell mama. <laughs> and yeah. it just like hits with you with legitimate the
0: alarm in her voice. And the alarm is like <laughs> not that she figured it out, but like that she doesn't want Adora to know.
1: I went back and rewatched all the episodes and it's something that... Emma has said to Camille several times throughout the show, but usually in relation to
0: like drugs or something, staying out past
1: curfew or drinking or just kind of being a bad girl or whatever, but like not killing people. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Right. But she says it as if like, Oh, I'm going to get grounded now. Yeah. It's still like this very immature view of the situation, the way she says it. It's it's unbelievable.
0: And the way that, I mean, that was such a great ending, but then it's like, but hold on. We're not done yet. You know what I mean? Like, that would have been enough. The ends was still so much mystery and so much to talk about. You're like, okay, well, now let's go back and talk about all this other shit. But then it's just like go into the credits and then we get this other shit.
1: Right. So throughout the entire run of the show, they had kind of been playing this long, minute long beginning of the song In the Evening by Led Zeppelin. And they would always cut it off right before like the main Jimmy Page riff would kick in. And they would even sometimes play like that haunting little, like,
0: well, yeah, like that Robert
1: Plant vocal right. part.
0: And that intro, I mean, it fits the show well, obviously. The music throughout is like awesome, but that whole little intro thing, it's so weird. Like, it seems like something out of like a David Lynch movie or something. Yeah. It's so weird that like Led Zeppelin made this track years ago. It
1: was, yeah, it's a very like trippy, kind of like, weird, harrowing thing and then it'll kick in with like the crazy riff but they never would get to that part until these last credits right after she says don't tell mama so now i don't know halfway through the credits for the first time in the show's run which can be kind of a big gamble because if you don't do it every time then people aren't expecting it and may have shut it off or walked away but we do get a mid-credits scene showing this perspective of
0: super like close-up shots feeling very chaotic
1: yeah and basically we just see emma and her roller girl friends killing
0: although the camera doesn't really focus Anne much on the friends right you can kind of see em. there's other people yeah right.
1: a, she's not doing it by herself it's because other people are holding them at various yeah, points yeah. and stuff but she's clearly the ringleader but she did kill may by herself because just she's a, in st louis a
0: thirst for blood you would say in her eyes
1: yeah, and it just kind of, her hair and eyes are wild, and you're like, holy shit.
0: <laughs> this girl is fucking nuts.
1: And it kind of plays into your kind of strange feelings about Emma the entire run of the right, show. Right. Where you're like, "There's this girl's scary.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure.
1: But, I mean, truthfully, it's about processing pain and abuse, and Camille processed it by taking it out on herself for her 20 years oh, plus yeah. of allowing herself to have... A train run on her in high school as a yeah, cheerleader which, in the woods yeah maybe by,
0: a regrettable choice by camille well,
1: a lot of the things she does are regrettable For but sure. she's cut all of these words into herself she's become an alcoholic she checked herself into rehab and had a crazy scene with a girl that commits suicide in there and
0: her roommate I mean, was just like oh my god i can't hang out with you anymore she is the worst <laughs> <laughs> just
1: guzzling bleach <laughs> But Emma, who had the same fucked up mother and the same fucked up shit done to her from birth, she never understood what real love was. That's where you learn what love and affection is from your mother. And if your mother has weaned you on rat poison and antifreeze, you're going to be
0: fucked up. Well, that is, we didn't talk about it, but that is kind of like one of the great scenes in episode 8, too, where Richard kind of gives the whole story to Camille while she's in the hospital of like, what exactly has been going on, and it's like, yeah, they give you like the details of what's in Adora's medicine.
1: Obviously, Emma's brain now has been so warped, and she craves this affection. And she killed Anne and Natalie because Adora took an which interest. Show in show
0: them. them attention, yeah.
1: And she, which killed is only
0: like briefly mentioned, but you get it from these little conversations.
1: Now you would think, well, maybe she would want to kill Camille because Camille basically got adora arrested but no adora is out of the picture so then camille becomes the mother and may was getting in between emma and camille so may had to go and it was just this cycle of eliminating anyone that was fucking with the mother child balance that she wanted (laughs) it was this poisonous relationship because of the actual poison that
0: adora had been giving her it was just such a awesome ending to a show and leaves you with just so much to talk about it obviously they're gonna now tie these other two murders back to her. Emma is fucked now yeah in the
1: book she goes to like a juvenile prison slash like institution I guess because she's like insane and
0: but even like the other the,
1: two girls or three in the book it's three in the show it's two within her the context, accomplices they uh, like cut deals
0: of the show you don't even know what Camille is gonna do with this information like the show no but
1: yeah i mean camille i think her mind is completely unraveling at this point because like i said she had so much grief about marion that she hadn't really processed in the right way do you think
0: she's gonna start drinking again yeah
1: i think so (laughs) (laughs) and there's so much guilt over what happened with marion and she thought it's almost worse in a way because she thought she had saved emma and then found out it was so much worse than she could (laughs) have even imagined that's and a At the very end of the credits, we get Emma now as the woman in white, a story that's been teased throughout the season. Right. Like a local folklore kind of thing, kind of a Blair Witch or a whatever, some yeah. kind of local tale about a woman abducting girls. And now at one point it was just a random woman, and then it was Adora in the vision, and now it's Emma. Right. Truthfully, these roller girls were just sharks swimming around this oh, town, yeah. just doing whatever <laughs> they wanted.
0: Right. <laughs> and well, it was so much worse than anyone could have imagined. Yeah, I mean, Emma was definitely the alpha, and these other two were just kind of along for the ride.
1: I will say, though, and we can kind of wrap it up with this at the end of episode seven on my rewatch, I found this little exchange particularly interesting. The chief is kind of just driving around, Chief Vickery. Yeah. And he sees Emma's two compatriots right. by themselves because Emma is not a lot out. And he says, "Well, word of advice: you keep your eyes open. Some drunk comes flying around down this road; he'll hit you before he sees you." And then one of the two girls goes, "Or she? Don't oh, yeah. be sexist, chief." Right. And it's just like this kind it's of right there. Yeah. These girls were hiding in the plain sight of our preconceived notion of femininity and girlhood. There was no way it could be them. Oh yeah. Killing other girls it just wouldn't make sense
0: right I mean that's what it is it's great about this Jillian Flynn stuff just really bringing female villains back into the mix (laughs) right where they belong (laughs) I think maybe
1: her or other people would think that maybe we're taking a little bit too much glee (laughs) in some of this and and maybe taking it the wrong way a little bit but you know we're just having fun we're Ah, joking come on Anyway, this is probably one of our longer. Give us a seconds, but thanks for checking it out. We've given you so much Gillian Flynn content this week. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> I mean, just a crazy amount. All right, so the regular episodes will continue next week, and we'll see you next time. Don't tell mama. <laughs>
0: the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose
1: again.